You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Desobe here. Excited to be joined by 2019 North Carolina fellow Victoria Watlington is here. She's got some exciting news to share about a recent development in her life. I'm definitely sure you're going to want to hear about. So stay tuned. Let's get to it. All right, Victoria. So a recently graduated fellow, what was the actual NLC experience like for you? I actually really enjoyed NLC. It For me, it opened up North Carolina. Um, I live in Charlotte. And so to go to Raleigh every month to um, meet and just kind of hear people's conversations and start to see some of the folks that are actually representing us in the uh, General Assembly, it made the state a lot smaller. Um, and I just enjoyed it. Everybody was awesome. Michael and Carly were amazing uh, who facilitated our class. And yeah, Everybody in my um, chapter was pretty cool and welcoming, and I enjoyed it. Were most of the folks politicos? Did they want to run for office, or was it a good mix of professions and things like that? It was a pretty good mix of professions. Um, there were uh, quite a few attorneys. Folks were in nonprofit. They were also, uh, I think I was the only person maybe in the private sector. Um, so that was interesting, but um, people had different passions in terms of what they wanted to do in politics or how they wanted to engage. There was just a handful of us that were interested in running for office. And so had you decided to do that before the fellowship or that was a decision you made once you got in? Oh, I definitely decided uh, before the fellowship, probably I would say maybe a year and a half before then. Um, It was something that I was, I had been serving in my community over several years. And then some of my community leaders approached me and, um, they said, hey, we know that our incumbent is she's already committed to uh, stepping out of this role and moving on at a certain time. And so we'd like you to go ahead and continue the work that, that you've been leading on the community side from the dais. And so when I went to NLC, it was like, OK, I've launched. I had actually already announced my um, candidacy in November, but it was very much learn as you go. <laughs> and so NLC was super helpful in some of the um uh, modules because they were coming up like right as I was meeting them, like fundraising and things like that, sending, um, um, engaging emails and that kind of thing. So it was kind of like, take it in, spill it out for me <laughs> during, you know, bringing it back to my campaign team because all of my campaign team were friends of mine. Um, and everybody, but one of them had been or had not been on a campaign before. And so we were just like, being spoon-fed information and using it as much as we could. Nice. And then tell folks what you ran for and what you won. And also tell us why do you think you did win? Yeah, sure. So I ran for uh, the city of Charlotte City Council District 3 seat and won in the primary. I was unopposed in the general and so had a little bit of time to start onboarding ahead of the general election. Um, I think I won because of a few different things. I would say overall, um, I had the right skills and experience for the role. And so I tried to be choiceful about selecting what it was that I was actually going to be running for. And I wanted to make sure that it matched my interests because for me, politics was never the end goal, right? It was, okay, if this is the seat that I have to sit in to get the work done for my community, then that's what I'll do. So it was a natural fit. Mm-hmm. And I think that helped because it helped tell the story. I didn't have to try to um, make connections about my experience because it was clear Um, I had been involved in the community for the last 10 years and specifically had led some work that was right on time with what the city is doing right now in terms of creating our comprehensive plan. Um, And so I was able to speak that language that I had also gone to all four of the city's um, 
training academies for different different modules, if you will, within the city. So I understood and could articulate the systems and was able to present actual uh, solutions that weren't crazy and far off. Um, but I also think that the, the thing that really drove me uh, over the edge, besides being an attractive candidate, if you will, from a professional standpoint, um, and just looking the part, if you will, um, I am a, a minority woman here in Mecklenburg County. And it just so happens that our largest voting block are minority women. And so that gave me a connection to the um, connection to the voters, uh, which helped. Um, but I think ultimately what got me over the edge was that I had a lot of um, community support and that community support gave me a network um, that allowed me to get some really key endorsements early that lended legitimacy to my campaign. Um, and then at the end, it was really just about having a lot of engaged supporters who were at the polls. I was at the polls um, every day of early voting and being able to convert those voters when they got to the poll, because a lot, a lot of people showed up not knowing anything, <laughs> truly, um, but they were there and they knew that they wanted to vote, but they needed to be educated on who was actually on the ballot and that kind of thing. Um, and so being able to tell that story kind of in a nutshell um, helped folks connect the dots. And then I was able to get a key, uh, our Charlotte Observer endorsement um, uh, about a week or two before the uh, election day. And that really drove a lot of uh, folks who had their minds made up before they came to the poll. And then, you know, so many people choose not to run because they don't like fundraising. I hear that so much in NLC circles. Was that true for you? Is it something you enjoyed or did you grow to like it over the course of the campaign? Yeah, you know what? I feel like my experience was very, very positive from a fundraising standpoint. And I think it's because, like I was saying before about the people who chose to support me publicly early on, they opened their network to me. And that was the best thing they could have done because it's, I started out my campaign with um, friends and family just to get the website going and that kind of thing. But after that, it was like when I sat down with somebody um, from a, for a fundraising meeting, they had already really decided in their mind they were going to support me. I don't think I sat down with anybody that said, oh, well, I'm happy to have met you. I don't think I'll be contributing. Not because anything that I had done amazing in the meeting, but it was because of the strength of the person that sent me to them. And so being able to follow those breadcrumbs as I sat down with folks, that was really, really helpful to me from a fundraising standpoint. Yeah, that makes sense. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about life now as an elected for Victoria. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. All right. So give me the scoop because here on the West Coast, right, in my coastal bubble in Los Angeles, we're very confused about North Carolina. We see them in the news mostly for not progressive things, but we know there's lots of interesting progressive people in the state and in the cities what is a misperception that frustrates you the most about what people think of your state? Well, that's the thing, really. You know, I don't know if it's even a misperception. It's just we're in a very transitional phase right now, um, especially as our economy changes um, and as people are moving to the city, to our Raleigh, to our Asheville, to Charlotte, to uh, the Triangle. It's like you've got these concentrated areas of urban progressivism, but then you also have rural areas in North Carolina who see things the way they see it because maybe that's their experience because as people have been leaving the smaller towns, I was born in Fayetteville. Um, now Fayetteville has uh, Fort Bragg there, military installation. So, you know, it continues to have a, um, 
uh, transient population. But from some of the other areas in North Carolina, they really haven't seen a lot of growth as people flee to um, the cities, especially their younger folks. And so it really is kind of a tale of two states. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's reflected in a lot of the things that folks see in the media and even um, in our relationship to Raleigh. So then is the city council you're about to join, is it full of people similar to you? Are there going to be interesting uh, ideological divides? What are the actual dynamics going to be like? Yeah, so we've we've got um, an 11 member council plus our mayor and we've got a a council manager form of government. So we've got a city manager that runs the day to day operations. And so the 11 folks on council now or that are incoming, we've got a nine to Democratic majority. And so there are a lot of folks that identify as Democrats, but each person is so different. It's amazing. (laughs) And then you start to learn that that you might sit on the same side of the aisle, but everybody's got a different background and everybody comes with a slightly different bent and a slightly different interest or agenda. And so you you don't always think the same on particular things or you might get to the same vote or the same stance for completely different reasons. I'm seeing that already. And then in terms of first 100 day priorities, what are one or two things you want to do? Yeah. So mine really is just an extension of my uh, platform. So I ran on four things. The first one being uh, comprehensive strategic planning for uh, the communities. And it's really just about getting proactive. So um, I'll give an example because this piece falls into my other three categories, which are affordable housing, transportation and economic mobility. Um, so right now we've got our comprehensive 2040 plan that is being uh, created for our city. What do we want Charlotte to look like in 20 years? And in the meantime, though, we've got a lot of growth happening in my district. And so while we are working on the long term view, we're getting zoning or zoning uh, petitions every day. And so today um, um, I sat down with uh, my community leaders and also a developer who has come in uh, who owns some property at a very key intersection in our area. And the work really was to educate that, hey, but we understand you want to put a gas station here. But let's show you our um, our strategy as a community for what we'd like this area to become and maybe convince you that there's a higher and better use of your land. And so now we're in the iterative process where he's going to go back and review the market study and the different things that we've been doing with this uh, city and be able to come back with something that's going to be a fit that's also going to give him a higher return. And so for the first hundred days, that's really my main goal is to make sure from a land use perspective and a uh, a planning perspective that we're able to have those conversations so that the the things that are built and the things that are brought to the community before we get our policy updated fall in line with where we're trying to go. And then last thing, what are one or two things people should watch for in 2020, either as it relates to your state in general or things happening in your city? What, what do you want people to pay attention to? Mm -hmm. So for me, I would say the first thing that comes to mind for 2020, just from a local perspective, is we will be hosting the Republican National Convention here Mm -hmm. after much contentious debate. Uh, We we hosted the Democratic National Convention in uh, 2012. And so we will be one of the very few cities, if not the only, that have hosted both parties. Um, And so going into that, because we have such a massive Democratic voting bloc and independents that lean uh, progressive, we're, we're going to have our hands full in making sure that um, that we're able to be open for different ideologies, but also that we are protecting our city and making sure that Charlotte is shown uh, for who we are, uh, that we're able to protect 
our citizens and also uh, visitors and that it's a positive experience all around. So that's the big thing for us right now. Nice. Listen, congrats on your victory and excited to talk to you, excited to see what comes next. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can catch all past episodes, including some great interviews with other recent NLC alums who were recently elected. Check that out at all the places you get your podcasts. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.